Hey y'all, welcome to Wild Confidence. I'm your host, Ainsley B, and I can't wait to share with you some amazing guests on this season of the podcast. Our goal here is to help one another find, keep, and share our wild confidence in Christ. I'm so thankful you're joining us, and if you love the episode today, I'd be so grateful if you left a review or shared it with a friend. All right, all right, let's hop in. I can't wait to meet our guest today. Pavela Cunnington has been in full-time ministry for over 20 years and serves as the women's pastor at Bethel Church. She and her husband, Ben, lead a nonprofit in an online platform called Truth to Table, reaching the world with Bible studies, messages, and lifestyle leadership tools. Havila hosts Havila's podcast and is the author of Stronger Than the Struggle and half a dozen self-published Bible studies. She's amazing. She lives in Redding, California with her husband and children. I personally have grown so much from her work and her leadership, and I'm so excited for you to get to know her. Let's meet Havila. Havila Cunnington, welcome to Wild Confidence. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me on your podcast. I'm excited to Absolutely. be here. Okay, I was just telling you seconds ago that I know your last name is Cunnington instead of Cunningham because whenever I discovered this book, Discovering and Activating My Spiritual Gifts, I Googled Cunningham about 17 times before I realized that is not her name. It is Cunnington. <laughs> so I had to I had to show you that I you have been um speaking to me from afar since 2021, well, whenever this book you, came out. It's so bad that when we were announced as Mr. and Mrs. Cunnington, we were, we were actually announced as Mr. and Mrs. Cunningham. And the guy had to go back and read the video, our wedding video. So you're like, you're not, it is a thing. It's a hard <laughs> day. People get it wrong. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so funny. <laughs> Cause once you get it, if you get it, you know, I'm like, okay, I'll never mess it up again. But Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Well, I wanted to show you that, that you have been speaking into my journey with learning about the prophetic, learning about spiritual gifts. Well, spiritual gifts, pro- prophecy is the one that I um, operate in the most, I think. But I'm like, everyone, I tell everyone they need this book. And I know we're talking about a different book today, but I have <laughs> to tell you that um, I am such a big fan because you have been walking me through this discovery of my spiritual gifts or of spiritual gifts in general. And then I've been able to tell other people about spiritual gifts. So before we hop into like the meat and potatoes, how did you discover your spiritual gifts and like want to tell other people about theirs? Oh, such a good question. Well, let's start out in the beginning because I was a minister's kid. And mm-hmm. my dad was on the road and I was an identical twin. We live, we, my, I have a mom. I always say I have a mom and I have a identical twin sister and I have a full Italian dad who's almost a girl. And so <laughs> we live very female life. And uh, my dad was very, um, very prophetic. And I, I don't want to oh, give wow. that context for that because he wasn't raised in a Christian home. In fact, his grand, his father was a congressman, um, was not a believer and my dad would sit to boarding schools uh, when he was a little boy, all the way through grade school. And it was a Catholic boarding school. And so it was very painful for him. And when he left school, he said, you know what? If God's in this, I'm out. And became an atheist for seven years. Yeah. Uh, began to worship Buddha and Krishna and just lived the hippie life, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. 
and uh, had a failed relationship, ended up wandering out to a field one day, suicidal for six months, took a dull pocket knife and yelled up into the sky, Jesus, Buddha, Krishna, I don't know which one of you is real, but whichever one of you is real, reveal yourself to me. And about two months later, he wandered into this little church in a place called Timbuktu in California. Yes, there's a little, there's a little called Timbuktu where three old ladies had been praying for revival. And that's when the Jesus movement was happening for your listeners. Oh yeah. Of God. There's a new movie called Jesus Revolution. Revolution. Figure it out, but he was part of that movement. And when he uh, walked in that church, the man gave a salvation altar call. He invited Jesus to come live inside of his heart. And at that moment, the beads around his neck began to choke him. And he said, I didn't know what was going on because I'm, I'm on my knees and I'm by myself and no one's around me. And I'm saying this prayer. And the moment I invite Jesus in, I start to feel like I can't breathe. And I reach up and say, my first prayer, Jesus, help me. And he said, I broke the chains off of my neck and they scattered on this wood floor. And everybody in the room that was there wandered over and said, what happened? And he said, I don't know. I said, I invited Jesus to come live inside of me. And I began to get choked by these beads. And the leaders said to him, well, when Jesus comes in, he picks out everything. And those beads were chanting to Krishna and Krishna's a demon and God was delivering you. So I grew up in a home where my dad had really experienced the gamut of all kind of, you know, really constructed faith and then being an atheist and being um, a Buddhist and all the different things. Uh, When he became a Christian, he dove right in. And what I found was that he really lived an authentic faith life. And one of the ways that he proved that was that he heard the voice of God, Mm. which was awesome. I remember as a little girl. My dad would walk into a room and say, girls, God told me there's a man sitting on a port. His name is Paul. He's wearing blue. We're supposed to go find him. And I remember getting in the backseat of that car with my sister, driving around. We lived in South Lake Tahoe, driving around that little neighborhood, finding a man on a porch wearing blue. My dad getting out of the car saying, is your name Paul? The guy saying yes. And my dad saying, this might be weird, but I'm a Christian. I believe God speaks to us. And God told me to come find you that you need help. And the man broke down and said, I'm not a praying man, but today I was desperate. I said, God, if you could send me a sign, I'll do anything. And he said, and a few weeks later, you drove up. And uh, so that's the environment that I was raised in. But all that, that's kind of the highlight, was that I didn't think I could hear God. And that it had been such a high state, you know, such as like man of God that heard God and heard his voice. I thought, I don't hear God like that. So I must not hear God. So I spent the majority of my high school years believing I couldn't hear God. And I thought that I had to have like a radio station turned on or say the right prayer or, you know, maybe be go to Bible college. Um, and it wasn't until my late teens that I began to discover that I could hear God's voice, which began to get me hungry, uh, not only to have his voice operating in my life, but to help other people learn how mm. to hear his voice. So I felt like I'm a Christian kid and I don't know how to do this. What about people that are just popping in or aren't raised in a home like mine? I believe everyone deserves to hear God's voice. So we have to help them figure that out or help you figure that out if you're listening. Absolutely. And I loved, I love that you're talking about this because I went to a Christian high school. I went to, I grew up in the church, like now granted it was Southern Baptist. So it was a little bit different and the spiritual gifts and stuff were, were not taught, but I remember, you know, getting out of high school and into a world that was not cushioned with 
the word of God and being like, whoa, what, what is, what is this language that these, these other Christians are speaking whenever they're talking about prophecy, they're talking about healing. Like they're they're That's like, that stays in the Bible. Like that kind of stuff stays in those days. And the more I learned about it, the more, I think I took your prophetic personalities course, maybe, is that what it is? <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Did all of those things. And then I was like, off to the races. And that absolutely changed learning about this stuff changed my spiritual walk because one of the lies that I believed growing up was finally squashed. And that lie was he's silent. He's far away. He can't hear me. And sometimes that lie wants to creep back up. And when my daughter's been sick for months and I'm like, Lord, (laughs) you have got to hear me. I said, Lord, I'm anointing my whole house tomorrow. I am calling <laughs> calling people to anoint my house tomorrow. I am taking this to war. But I actually was on a, a platform this morning giving a, a talk about stepping out of shame. And a lot of people were talking about how God is silent. God is silent in, in their lives. And I'm like, oh, I can't wait to talk to Havala today because <laughs> he is going to be able to to speak to this. So what do you say when people say God has been so quiet or silent or I don't hear him? Yeah. Welcome to the club. Welcome yeah. to being here. Um, I don't know any person. I mean, the, the majority of people, even people of faith, just don't think they can hear God or if they have, it's just so unique. Um, mm-hmm. that they're kind of curious about how does that operate in our lives? And there's a, there's a lot of facets to it, but I, I want to say, first of all, um, you are hearing God. I just want to mm-hmm. say that every listener, every person who's here, you are hearing God. The problem is you don't know that it's his voice. So yeah. God is silent. God is speaking. You just have assumed he speaks in a specific way. And he doesn't speak in all those in that way at, at this point. And so what I found was two reasons why we have a hard time hearing God. Number one, we've overcomplicated him. We've overcomplicated him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And secondly, mm. I actually think we don't want to hear God. And this is what I mean by that. If we deep down believe that God is angry with us, disappointed with us, frustrated with us, um, you know, a dad that just feels kind of like, you know, not passionate about our lives. And we feel like, oh my gosh, if I come to God, the first is going to want to do is talk about that thing. And I don't want to talk about that thing. And so we say, we want to hear God, but who wants to interact with an angry, distant, created yeah. father? I don't, I avoid those phone calls. And so we kind of act like, well, we should want to hear God's voice. Right. But until we identify that we have some wrong limiting beliefs about how he feels about us and thinks about us, we will not hear him because we will go, I already have enough shame and blame and fear and anxiety. I don't want to hear God say that he's disappointed with my choices as well. I don't want to think that God is saying, Hey, you missed it five years ago and you didn't get it right. So I I don't want to go back through that. So there's a lot of anxiety around that. So what I first want us to do is go back to number one, the Bible says in, in the book of John chapter 10, it says, my sheep hear my voice. Mm. It doesn't say learn to hear my voice. It doesn't say, you know, grow to hear my voice. It doesn't say, you know, become, no, no, it's my sheep hear my voice. So what we have to do is go all the way back to my kids hear my voice because if they don't hear my voice, I'm not parenting them. 
Like I can't, but also they hear my voice because I'm talking to them all the time because I want to help them. I'm the parent. I love them. Mm. And so when hearing God's voice, and this is what I got, this is what I, I really messed my life up for so many years is I got stuck in the wrong question. And the question I asked was, God, what are you saying? I don't know about anybody else. Like, I don't know about you, but that was my question. Like in my twenties, what's my husband going to be like in my 25 years? Am I going to be, you know, an author and a writer, you know, at 30, am I going to, you know, I'm living in the right city and, you know, 35, you know, am I going to lose the weight? And then 30, you know, (laughs) now 45, you know, is this what my life's going to be? And so I'm asking that question. And that question leads to a, a lot of pressure to know what he's saying. But Mm. the real question we should be asking is, how was I created to hear God? Have you ever heard of the mm. five language book? The five yeah. language. It's kind of this like blowout books. Millions have been sold. I mean, the whole core concept is um, there are five love languages that each of us experience in order to give love and receive love. And when you know what your love language is, then you can tell the person next to you, this is what my love language is. And they begin to speak that language to you and you feel loved or you find out what your spouse's is or your mom is, or your kids is. And that's what it looks like. Well, what I find with God is that one of the reasons we don't think we hear God is we think he only has one love language. And depending on where you've grown up in the church, depending on what you've witnessed, one of those languages have been so elevated that we think it's the only way. And there's a whole other, I mean, God obviously speaks in thousands of ways, but there are some distinct ways that he he speaks. And so part of my passion in teaching people how to hear God's voice is Let's discover your primary type. I we did it was called prophetic personality. It was a, a e-course I put together many years ago. We had thousands of people t- go through that. And what we did is we put together this test to figure out what your prophetic personality is. Now, for those that are listening, I know those prophetic can be a crazy word. Personality can be like, hey, what does that mean? And it's simply <laughs> prophetic is how God shows up in your world, and personality is how you show up in your world. So that's it how God shows up in your world, how you show up in your world. And then prophecy is how God shows up through you to the world. That's like your third aspect. Does that make sense? So a lot of us are stuck on prophecy. And I'm like, can we back up a little? You guys are talking about, are we having kids yet? And we don't need to be talking about prophecy yet. We need to be talking about how does God show up in your world? And how do you show up in your world in that way? And that's the prophetic personality. So we did, we kind of pulled apart and I figured out there are about four distinct filters in which we hear God. And we put a test out there and we had about 150,000 people take that test. And so the Unreal. cool part is a lot of data on people of faith and how they're hearing God and interacting. So that's kind of how the whole journey began for me was what are these four proven, practical, um, and unique ways that we confidently discern God's voice? I absolutely love that so much. I love these four distinct things that you're talking about. And correct me if I'm wrong. I think they're the knower, the hearer, the seer, and the feeler, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. So let's go through these because this is really fun. And for those of you um, that are new to this idea, I'm just going to give it to you straight. So if you are a knower or the knowers are like the light bulb, they're the ones that they get, it's like the light switch goes on and they just know. It's a knowing it's a, it's a, uh, like a, into in, like a supernatural intuition. It is a leading and they don't have a lot of emotion around it. They don't have a lot of 
interaction other than they just know that they know. It's like in their knower. And God speaks to them. God speaks to you as a knower through an intuitive, knowing, wisdom, a prompting. You just, and that's it. And that's how he speaks to you. You're a knower. Now, if you're a hearer, God speaks to hearers through words, phrases, conversations, and dialogues. So Mm -hmm. if you are a hearer, God usually speaks to you by having a conversation with you or saying something to you. And, and you are, well, you interact with him through words. Then you have your seers and seers are the eyeballs. They're the ones that Mm -hmm. have the eyes of God. They, uh, God speaks to them through pictures, mental pictures, visible pictures, uh, even landmarks, colors, uh, things that kind of connect together. And God interacts with this dream, if you will, either night dreams or, or daydreams where it's, this is how he's interacting with you. You see it and you have faith for it. Something about that is just a visual experience for you. And then the last ones are the feelers. And this took me a long time to admit, because I used to think, you know, we were taught feelings are, you know, not always safe and we shouldn't go off yeah. our feelings. We should go off the truth and the word. And, but this is different than just your emotions. A feeler is God and God speaks to you and encounters you through a emotional or a a physical experience. And you just experience his heart. You experience his burden. You experience maybe what Mm. somebody else is happening with somebody else. And it interrupts your, your, your emotions. It interrupts you sometimes cry. Sometimes you feel like you want to pray. Other times you just go to an environment and you know it, it's good or bad. You've just always kind of known that. Um, and so all four of those filters are ways that we hear God. The knower is, they know, the seer they see, the hearer they hear, and the feeler they feel. And yet, just to cut to the chase, you probably will have all four in some way. But the goal is that you have at least one primary way in which you hear God. And we get that conversation going. I'm so glad you said that because I have, like I said, read the book. I went through the course and even hearing you say that I'm thinking, well, I remember that one time that I was praying for this lady and I felt, and then there's another time that I heard and, and it almost felt like whatever the other person would receive from the Lord is what the Lord gave me a knowing, a hearing, a seeing, or a feeling. Um, so as you're saying that, I'm like, Wait a second. So I'm so glad you said you can essentially, you know, have all four, but then have that main one. Cause I am mainly a seer. And whenever I tell people that I'm like, I just see pictures or I can see you doing X, Y, Z, or the Lord, I can see you face down with your Bible in front of you and you're kneeling and you're fasting and you're praying over this certain thing. And, um, yeah, anyway, so I, primarily in the seer, but I was just talking earlier with you about how I could feel this thing that was like missing. And anyway, so I'm so glad that you said that, especially for the clarification point of view, because as you get into not only your new book created to hear God, but I know that people are going to want to do the discovering and activating my spiritual gifts, the 15 day Bible study, um, that they can be open to all four of those and walk through that. So, yeah, and I, and I want to be clear, it, you know, if you were to say, I'm going to teach you how to experience love and how to show love, people could say, oh, that's impossible. I mean, love is endless. Love is unique. Love is, you know, sacred. You're right. Hearing God's voice is unique and, and, and there's a plethora of ways and it's sacred. So the goal is not to put God in a formula. The goal is to totally. start 
leaning in and learning so you can begin to build some confidence because a lot of us, and I'll say this, the people that have the hardest time discerning their prophetic personality are either A, you've never heard, you've never, ever thought about This is all new to you. And so it's going to take you a minute to but the second type are those that have been hearing God for a long time because you're probably utilizing all four, but mm-hmm. you're, you're what your primary type is. So those are the two that have the hardest time. Yeah. Well, and I love that clarification because I had a hard time in the beginning and then it just kind of all clicked at the end whenever I really got to figure it all out. And I, you said this before, but you know, we tend to overcomplicate God. And whenever I went through that Bible study and the course and everything, I was like, man, this is so much easier because he's always willing and available and ready for us. So as a seer, I would go into, and I've talked about this so much on my podcast, people are probably like, okay, we get it. But I talk about the throne room. And whenever I went through this life altering event, I stumbled into the throne room with this cloak of shame and this like halo of shrapnel and debris and just names and lies and labels. And as I walked in, I just had this visual picture of him untying that cape and letting that shame fall off of me and then taking off this dirty shrapnel, dusty halo and replacing it with a gold one and giving me my new identity of you are a new creation. You are mine. You are a daughter, you're beloved, you're treasured. And all of that is like, took 10 seconds in my brain. It wasn't, it was this absolutely profound thing, but it was like, just me closing my eyes in the center of a room, you know, <laughs> it well, wasn't and, as I complicated mean, as it sounds. It's not. And I mean, this isn't part of my book, but there's, I, I believe it's in the book, practicing the presence of God, but there's mm. a portion of that book that talks about God giving us our imagination and giving us the ability to experience God by visualizing something that he's, he's encountering us. So to me, what you're saying as well is that, you know, somebody goes, were you there? No, it wasn't like you were, I mean, you weren't in a trance, but you, you were close. It's like, if I said to you, think of the ocean, you're not immediately going, oh my gosh, I don't know where I am. No, no. I can visualize Mm -hmm. in my mind that ocean. And then sometimes if it's the Lord, you, like you said, there's a, a comfort with it. There's a clarity. There's there's like a grace to to happen in that moment rather than you forcing it. It almost feels like it's invitational. Yes. So always, but did you know, this is interesting. And I think you're going to like this Ooh. out of everything you've tested. Guess what the most prophetic personality uh, type was. Oh, I was going to ask you this. There's 150,000 people. So it gives you kind of, and, and this is not just charismatic, Pentecostal, or these are conservatives, missionary, atheists. Anybody took this test, right? Like it's there. Is it here? No. And that's what I would have thought. A thousand percent. No. The number one, it was almost 70% were feelers. <gasps> wow. 70%. Oh my yes, God. Which is wild because that tells me that there's a huge percentage of people of faith that don't feel included at all yeah because or I mean there's a whole aspect of this which I'll explain but see the problem is is that a lot of our denominations or our connections we usually pick one and elevate it so like if you're in a Pentecostal charismatic we're going to elevate the feeler or we're going to elevate the thus saith the Lord yeah. um if you are in a 
conservative, you know, the word is the word. Knowers are going to really be elevated because they just know that they know and that's all they need. And that's that lasts them for their life. So they're going to be elevated. If you you might be in a place like I happen to be in, in a missionary movement, YWAM, hearers were elevated because it was like, go to a quiet time and what did God and come back and tell us what God said. We were told, mm. come back and tell us what God said. So that was elevated. So some of us were raised in environments where one of them was elevated over the other, which actually causes a lot of confusion because when I was taught to hear God's voice, I thought it was coming in words and phrases and conversations. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? I'm a knower. So Mm -hmm. here I am in this charismatic world and I'm a knower. I don't feel anything. I'm not sensing anything. I just know that I know and I love the word and I'm, that's good enough for me. And so I always felt so frustrated. But you know what the, 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 the least amount of people were? I'm wondering if it's Sears now or here. I don't, was it Sears? It's a Sears. Sears are the least amount of people in our environments. And part of it is not just to see something like you're talking about, but they're often visionaries. You know, they build the orphanages. They, they have this dream and it takes them a lifetime to fulfill and I always say they want to change the world. They can see it, but they they can't change their sheets. Like that's a seer, right? That's a seer's me. Like, what God wants to build. And everyone's like, but what are you having for dinner? And they're like, I have no idea. So that each of so personalities mean. have strengths and weaknesses. So like a knower, one of the weaknesses of a knower is that we can tend to be, we can tend to feel like the heathen because we're not mm. having these hearing and knowing, I mean, hearing and knowing and seeing. And so we don't have this encounter and so we feel like, well, you know, I just know, and it doesn't feel super spiritual. And so we can tend to feel like heathens, like God's not, it's not that powerful. Uh, but one of the weaknesses of a knower is we can tend to disengage when somebody is feeling, seeing, and hearing, because it just feels way spiritual for us. It's like, whoa, calm down. That's crazy. And I don't experience it like that. So you seem a little whacked, <laughs> but then, right. But like the, the hearer, the strength of a hearer is that you hear words. That's powerful. I mean, it's like salt in the Bible. And again, in my book, I have it all in context with biblical examples. Yes, but for Samuel, hearing God's voice, that's that's a classic way. So you get to tell people what God is saying. But the weakness of a hearer is that you tell us too much. We're not your mom. We don't want play by play. And so for a hearer, and God told me this, and God told me that, and then God told me that. You're the one that grabs the mic every time it's open mic about what God is saying. And what we want to say to you is, we love you, but get the big picture, get the main theme. And that's what maturity looks like as a hearer. And then for seers, seers can be vulnerable to being exhausted by having to repeat themselves or to share something. And people go, I don't know that. How did it look that way? And kind of poking holes in the vision. And so hearers can tend to grow weary in the waiting because they can't quite, no one else can see it, but seers are the ones that build the dream. They're the biggest dreamers in our environments. And then our feelers, one of the weaknesses of a feeler is an unhealthy feeler can take the room down with them. And what I mean Mm. is an unhealthy feeler, if it doesn't feel okay, then nothing is okay and nobody's allowed to be okay. And so a healthy feeler Ask a couple good questions. One of the questions is, did I walk in with this? Because that's a really good question for a feeler. Because often a feeler Mm. will feel something and go, oh, no, I've got to deal with this. And you have to ask the question, did I walk in with this? Or did this just something I felt at this moment? And could I actually be sensing what's in the atmosphere or on someone else that God wants me to partner with to pray or to release or to whatever it is? And then a health feeler We'll learn to find a couple other 
intercessors or feelers and be able to dialogue what they're sensing without taking the room down and then utilize. Here's the cool part. It's not gender specific. My husband's a feeler. My dad's a feeler. So it is not gender specific. It really is about how God interacts with you personally and uniquely. That is so cool. I I love these so much. These give us so much um, access to the Lord in ways that are for us. I mean, you talk about it being unique and proven and like, that's because you've seen it and you've been able to guide people through it. And it's, you get to see the fruit of the growth in people's spiritual lives. Whenever they're following these things, they're like, okay, this makes sense to me because the Lord, obviously, like you said, speaks to it in a thousand ways, but if we can just hold on to five love languages, there's probably thousand yes. five love languages. If we can just hold on to these five, we can make some traction. If we can just gra- get a grasp of these four, then we can gain some traction. And, you know, for me, I know without a shadow of a doubt that I'm a seer. However, I have operated in a knowing, a hearing and a feeling because it's kind of expanded as I've grown in it. And as I've discovered more about um, my specific role and everything. Okay. And also just being, I think the heart of it is we need diversity. Yes. We just end up, we, we, we just say we're, we're so we box it in and you can't be powerful in our environments unless you're here or you're a seer, you're a feeler. And I'm like, no, there needs to be diversity that the spouse doesn't feel bad that he is not sensing anything and that that you you weeping does not mean you're more spiritual than they are or that you saying thus saith the lord does not diminish uh what the seer has seen and so there's this part where we just we tend to dismiss everybody who doesn't have what we have rather than saying this is the diversity like i was so anti-feelers for so long it's funny i married one and was raised by one but there was a point when I remember just going, oh, one more tear. I'm, I give the girl tissue and let's keep going. This is exhausting. <laughs> and then once I knew what a feeler was, I had a personal assistant for six years. She traveled with me. I could walk into any room. She loved the Lord. And I could say, Tiffany, what do you see, feel God is doing? And she could say, I feel like there's competition in the room. Or I feel like God wants to heal people. And she would have became the best asset to what God was doing in the room by what she was sensing. And so instead of looking at it as envying or, you know, comparison, we now get to utilize. In fact, if you're a leader and you're listening to this, or you are somebody who's trying to build a business or whatever it is in your life, Mm -hmm. you should be looking for diversity of people on your team that you're God. So you can actually have like a fullness within your, in your environment. I love that. I, I love that you said that because it reminded me of a time that I just recently went to speak at a church. And I had this whole plan, you know, my speech was ready to go, whatever. And the <laughs> day before, I just felt the Lord was like, we, we're changing everything about it. Everything, every word. And I was like, even the scriptures, even everything, <laughs> everything. He's like, yeah. So I texted the um, women's pastor and I was like, hey, uh, not to freak you out, but like, I have to change everything. <laughs> And she was like, well, the Lord actually told me that too, that something was something huge was going to change. And I was like, okay, thank you, Lord, because I was freaking out. And we heard the Lord in two different ways, but that whenever we could communicate about it and it just was confirmation, like we were in that agreement and it was, it gave us both this supernatural confidence to carry out what he had for that night. And it was so cool. So 
I'm obsessed with these. Everyone needs this book, Created to Hear God. Everyone needs the book, Discovering and Activating My Spiritual Gifts and all your other books. It's not like you only have two. <laughs> you have like six, seven, however many. I, I know. I, I want to say 10, but I, I but my husband is the, you know, he's the Enneagram one. So he's going to know what, what I'm doing. Maybe 13. I don't know. But yeah, this is, Incredible. I will say this, I, it's, I've only written two full books and this is my second. And I've only done, this is the first time in any book that I've ever done where I've read it out loud on Audible. So it's my wow. voice for the first time. And so all of those that are like, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm an Audible girl. I like to listen to someone read. Um, it. It's my voice. And so I'm, I'm really excited about that. Oh my gosh. And it's already out and ready. Right. It's, it's out. It's, it's available. It's live. It's out. Audible has it. Kindle has it. Yep. It's there. If you're in another country like Canada or Australia, always my European friends, I'm always like, just give it a little bit. It's going to take a couple more <laughs> months, but it'll be there. But you can get the Audible or you can get the Kindle. Yes. Incredible. Y'all grab it. It is going to change your life. I actually just realized that I still have like my notes page from whenever I was reading. So I love it so much. Thank you so much for your time and coming on and hanging out with us today. You are amazing. And I just love um, learning from you. Well, I appreciate being here and I am so excited about this podcast and just your boldness to talk about these things and get it out to the women that need, we need bold voices. And I'm really glad that you've chosen to be one and I'm honored to be on this podcast and for those of you that want more, um, I'm on social. I'm usually on Instagram more than anything. I think that really shows my age of Instagram. But <laughs> no. Havilah Cunnington is Facebook, Instagram, and then HavilahCunnington.com. You can find everything that we do. Uh, we do a lot of other things. I actually teach an author school uh, that can help you write your book in 16 weeks. And we um, are just about to open that up again. It's an open and closed experience because it's it's a school. Uh, yes. But I'm honored to be here. And I hope that I hope that um, that you keep that this just goes far because I can tell your heart is so passionate to help people be courageous. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so, so much for spending time with us today and hanging out here on wild confidence. I hope that you feel encouraged and ready to tackle the day, feeling even more confident than you did before you started listening. I'd be so thankful if you left a review or shared this episode with a friend and I'll see you soon. Oh, don't forget. Let's connect on Instagram. My Instagram handle is at Ainsley B and I hope to meet you there.